My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord, here present with us in the Blessed Sacrament, we'll speak about the interior life. Now, what does it mean to have an interior life? What well, means to have your life within us, Lord? And our Lord, you, Lord, have been stressing this to us in the gospel over the past few days. That your desire is that our hearts be changed. That we be transformed by your love. That we be affected by your love. Not that we just go through the motions of the law. That we go through tradition. But that the tradition actually stands for something. And that's an interior transformation. Interior life, supernatural life is nothing less than the life of Jesus Christ himself in my soul. That's what it means to have interior life. That Jesus dwells in my soul. Now that's quite the thing. To have Jesus dwell in our soul. In yesterday's gospel and in today's, he speaks to the Pharisees about how they are so worried about certain prescriptions of the law, but it, they don't let it transform them interiorly. And I think the same thing can happen to us very easily. That we get wrapped up in the prescriptions of the law, or we can, maybe we say our rosary every day, but we, we rush through it. Or we attend Mass often, but we, you know, we do so out of obligation and maybe even out of love, but we don't let the Lord transform our hearts. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, is, is giving the same message. And he wants to make it abundantly clear, Lord, that you transform us. That you change us interiorly. That you lead to a change in the heart that then leads to change in the way that we act, in the way that we are. Paul, in chapter 5 of his letter to the Galatians, says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Only faith working through love, Lord. And it is you who put this love in our hearts. You who dwell in our hearts. You who change us. You who transform us. Which is why we really need to take the time to speak to you. To know you. And to really love you. And then to serve you in this life. There's a reason that that old adage from the Baltimore Catechism is in that order. 
At first, we know the Lord. We learn about the Lord. We learn our catechism. Good. And in the process of getting to know our Lord, we start to love our Lord. We let him affect our hearts. What is it to love someone? To let them into your heart. To let them into your heart and to really let them change you. You are profoundly affected by what or by who you love. So, Lord, we want to be profoundly affected by your love. Do you think your love just came forth just to, for, for kicks? <laughs> it's like, you know, just, just so people could say, I'm a Christian. No, no, Lord, you came to set the world on fire with your love, to set hearts aflame with your love, to change us, to make us more like you by dwelling in our hearts. By filling us with faith, with hope, with love, and then that faith works through love in our actions. And then today again we hear about our Lord and he's in the gospel. In the gospel of Luke chapter 11, he is once again calling the Pharisees hypocrites. He's saying you go through all the motions. You worry about every little detail of the law, and yet you don't love. Woe to you who love the seat of honor in synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you. You're all about the semblance of faith without true transformation. You are like unseen graves over which people unknowingly walk. Woe to you. Lord, we would like you to transform us and to help us understand how you do that, how you come into our hearts, how you affect us. Now, in part, it happens in prayer in a really tremendous way. And St. Josemaria writes, A saint without prayer? I don't believe in such sanctity. No such sanctity exists to be a saint without prayer. And then he writes again, plagiarizing the words of another writer, I will tell you that your apostolic life is worth what your prayer is worth. Our apostolic life is worth what our prayer is worth, Lord. So if our prayer isn't worth anything, right? If it's just worth the the babbling like the pagans, or if it's worth nothing because we're not really praying, then our apostolic life won't be worth anything. We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot be truly apostolic. We cannot bear the message to others if we have not first received it, if we have not first been transformed like you. There's a really beautiful book called the soul of the apostolate. The soul of the apostolate. And like a lot of books, it is essentially saying the same theme over and over and over. If you've read the first chapter, you've read the last chapter. And yet, it's something we need to have ingrained in us. That the quality of our apostolic work, of our actions as Christians, of our love, 
will only be great, will only be filled with grace if we first pray. Many of the saints have repeated something like this, pray, pray, pray. And then, as a last step, act. Prayer must be an indispensable quality of the Christian life. Pray, get to know the Lord, get to love the Lord, let the Lord affect your heart. And then and only then can we truly act in a way that changes hearts, as our heart has been changed. Once again, we cannot give what we do not have. There are two priest friends of mine, and and they recounted to me a conversation that they had. The two of them were working together, and the younger of the two was just newly ordained and becoming overwhelmed by the requirements of the apostolic life of the priest. Just kind of like, like a new father, because he was a new father. Always being pulled in every direction by his new spiritual children and not sure how to handle it. And he was getting stressed out and he was losing his cool So the older of the two priests, the pastor to the parochial vicar, says to him, Dude, you're not okay. (laughs) You're not okay. And the young priest could simply admit, You're right, I'm not. So the older priest said, How's your prayer? Well, not very good. I, I pray what I am absolutely required to and not much else. He said, you need to pray at least an hour a day. Because you're a good priest. You're a talented priest. You're good at getting this work done. You work hard. But you will never be a saint unless you pray. And when you pray, you will transform hearts. How true that is. Very often in the Christian life, we're like that young priest. We are hypocrites, (laughs) meaning we're actors. That's where the word hypocrite comes from, actor. We're kind of pretending at devotion. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some merit to that, right? Kind of fake it till you make it. All right, I'm going to keep trying until, until I make a habit of this. Good. But we can't be sustained by that. Because we, at some point we do find ourselves acting, kind of like acting a part, acting the part of the holy priest when I really don't have anything to give because I haven't been praying. Acting the part of a good Christian when, and then I'm finding, ooh, I don't know what to say in these difficult situations. I bump up against something difficult in family life or in the office. And then I don't know what to do because it's just me. I'm just depending on my own talent and my own acting ability, faking it till I make it, rather than praying first. Praying first and then being filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit. There's a beautiful prayer to the Holy Spirit, which I like to repeat so often. 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. Enkindle in us the fire of your love. Fill our hearts and kindle in us the fire of love. If we had the Holy Spirit overflowing from us, if our hearts were enkindled with the fire of love, how effective we would be. And then we could respond to the Lord's call. I've come to set fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already burning. Lord, set fire to my heart tonight. Let that be our prayer. Set fire to my life, to my heart. Set me aflame with your love that I may go forth from here and then love with a love that is more than my own. It's you. It's the love beyond all telling. In this beautiful work, The Soul of the Apostolate, the author writes, The soul of an apostle... It should be flooded first of all with light and inflamed with love so that reflecting that light and that heat, it may enlighten and give warmth to other souls as well. That that which they have heard, which they have seen with their eyes, which they have looked upon and their hands have almost handled, this they will teach to men. Their lips will pour forth into souls the abundance of celestial joys, says St. Gregory. Now, therefore, we can deduce the following principle. The life of action ought to flow from the contemplative life. To interpret and extend it outside oneself, though at the same time being detached from it as little as possible. The fathers and the doctors of the church vie with one another in proclaiming this doctrine. Quote, before allowing his tongue to speak, The the apostle should lift up his thirsting soul to God in order to give forth what he was drunk in and pour forth that which he is filled, with which he is filled. That's St. Augustine, unquote. Only when we have prayed will we truly be able to set others, our family, our friends, our co-workers, aflame with the fire of love. We should go to our Lord in prayer in the morning like the person who would wake up before central heating and go to the hearth and set it aflame and pour upon it acts of faith and acts of hope and acts of love and let that burn within us. St. Columba, who's a, just a tremendous poet, writes about this desire to have his heart inflamed by the Lord. He writes, How I wish he would awaken me, his humble servant, from the sleep of slothfulness, even though I am of little worth, How I wish he would enkindle me with that fire of divine love. The flames of his love burn beyond the stars. The longing for his overwhelming delights and the divine fire ever burn within me. 
How I wish I might deserve to have my lantern always burning at night in the temple of the Lord, to give light to all who enter the house of God. Give me, I pray you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and my God, that love that does not fail, so that my lantern burning within me and giving light to others may be always lighted and never extinguished. Our Lord wishes that the world was on fire, that it was already burning. Well, Lord, bring that fire and let it begin with me. Let it begin with each one of us. May our prayer, our daily prayer, be that time of enkindling your love within us. Lord, do this work within us that we may do your work so well. And if we find that we are perhaps a little bit afraid to be that person who is aflame with the love of our Lord, let's recall Our Lady. Our Lady, who, whose heart was most definitely aflame with the light of our Lord's love. Whose every deed, whose every word is devoted to Christ. Who is willing to have her heart pierced for love of Him. Under her heart, our Lord rested in her womb for nine months. In her heart, a sword also pierced. Lord, give us confidence with our mother beside us that we too may have our hearts aflame with your love and so spread that to every corner of the world. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions affections and inspirations you've communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.